0: You get to choose, right? like here's, here's the scenario, the, the environment gives us something which can be perceived as negative, can be perceived as not working, can be perceived as problematic, the world's ending, so we get to choose to see it like that, or we get to see, choose
1: to see it as an opportunity. So clearly that it's my responsibility now to do that for other people. If I have information and, you know, other people's success is my success, and vice versa.
0: Because you know what, like the challenges or the roadblocks are the journey themselves.
1: There's no big things, it's all little things compounding on top of each other. Christopher Veal provides leadership coaching, facilitation, strategy consulting, and visioning, and other leadership development services. Christopher is an author. His book is called The Whole Man, where he covers the concept of evolving masculinity moving from an either-or mindset into a both-and approach in order to expand what it means to be a man. Christopher hosts the Vulnerable Man podcast, an ongoing examination of what it means to be a man and how we as men want to define masculinity and manhood in the 21st century. His goal is quite simple, to destigmatize the word vulnerability for men so that they can better connect with themselves and the people in their world. The Vulnerable Man Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and we will include some of those links in our show notes. I did a little review. Uh, Christopher has 78 episodes, so that's pretty awesome, and I had a chance to listen to some recent recent episodes, but without further ado, let's bring him on here. Christopher, thank you for joining the PAC Podcast.
2: Happy to be here. Glad to be here, gentlemen. Looking forward to this conversation and where we go in it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Masculinity, uh, vulnerability, I I like to, especially before we go deeper, it's our favorite thing to like define, like make sure we have some common language around, you know, maybe even both of those things, masculinity and then vulnerability. How would you define those, Christopher?
2: Sure. You know, I think one of the things that I'm a big believer in is it varies depending on who the individual is. And so I'm not a believer in that we have to have one set definition, but really a common language around it. So I love that you're pointing to it. And it's how do I define how I want to show up as a man? And what are the expectations for me in society and in my family and in the roles that I fill? And one of the reasons that I address this is typically there's a very narrowing way that masculinity is looked at. We often talk about things like the man box and the rules we have to live by as men. And it tends to be limiting. It's very much either or type of thinking. Either I can be a breadwinner or I can be a caregiver. Either I can be strong and independent or I can ask for help and show that I I need help. And for me, where I think it needs to shift is that when we talk about masculinity, it needs to be more expansive and inclusive, and it shifts to a both-and type of thinking. So I can be a breadwinner and a caregiver. I can be strong and independent and say sometimes I need help. And so that's a big part for me of how we're shifting the narrative and especially how we're helping people look at the way we hold masculinity. Mm
1: very succinctly put, um, we've had some previous episodes on, uh, crucial conversations and one of the tactics mm-hmm. in there is to like identify uh, win-win and what happens when we are in that either or category, like our brain shuts down and stops solving for the problem that we actually want to. So are you familiar with that? Is that, uh, is absolutely? There any I, used to, there? I used
2: to teach, the, I used to teach the crucial conversations oh, wow. content. So I love it. It is great stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so I love that both and, and then, you mm-hmm. know, my natural, uh, question come you know like of all the things that you could have worked on and focus your attention on why why this what was there like a catalyst was there something that came up was this just a big problem that you feel needed to be addressed like why why uh, masculinity and vulnerability here
2: yes you know the, the short answer is it's a reflection of my own journey so i spent nine years in the marine corps as an infantry officer went out of got out of the infant got out of the marine corps and went into construction doing project management so those are both very what i will typically say hyper masculine fields And while I was successful in those parts of my career, I also felt like I could only bring limited parts of myself and I had to leave other parts in other places. And in 2012, 2013, I discovered Brene Brown's work around vulnerability. And that really got me thinking about things and particularly looking at how did I hold this idea of vulnerability? Because for a long time, it was a four-letter word that I wouldn't utter in mixed company. And as I started to explore it, I realized I had a very negative connotation of what vulnerability meant, or I had a very narrow way of the way I would let myself be vulnerable. And I started to look at how was that impacting my relationships? And as I dug into it more, what I realized is the more I leaned in and was willing to be vulnerable, the richer my relationships became, the deeper the connection became. And the less I had to worry about what did I tell this person or what story or who do I need to show up as? And I was able to accept myself more and trust in myself. So I think that's really core. And I will say another piece that was important in that is that my daughter was born in 2009. And I had an interesting experience because I was working with a construction company at the time around taking paternity leave and actually had to educate my organization. And there were a lot of men that were a generation older than me and had a lot of negative comments about it. Like, you know, what are you doing taking maternity leave and raising kids is women's work? And part of what I realized is, if I had succumbed to a lot of that group think, I would have created more distance and not had the connection with my daughter that I do. And because I was willing to be vulnerable and say, you know what, I want to be here and be present, it had me lean in where I might normally default to leaning out.
0: Wow, well, Christopher, I think you've answered all the questions I had about like <laughs> okay, how well,
2: great you, to...
0: <laughs> you told the story in such a great way because I, I can... My, my thought was, yeah, how, how did you, what was the experience that you got into that? But I love I love the connections with Crucial Conversations, with Brené Brown. She has mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes. I often say, you know, being clear is kind, being unclear is unkind. I just love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just leaning into that space. And I, I was just thinking about someone, one of my neighbors who I hung out with last weekend, came over to my house. And and I, I always think as a coach that I want to I tell it as it is. Like, I want to get deep. I want to get real. And I just, it was just a personal relationship for me. But. It's like I got to ask him some real questions, right? And I got to right. be real, really honest. And then, and then we're planning for a Christmas like party around our house, like an adults only, and we're doing a which we've never done before, which is gonna be fun. And we're doing me and my wife are doing a guest list, and there's people that she was wanting to put in there, and people that I wanted to put on there, and I found some resistance in some of those things. And I was like, what? Why? Like I like these people. Why wouldn't I want them to come? And mm-hmm. it's attached to, of course, what you just talked about, Christopher, saying, do I. Do I want to, do I only want to show up in a certain way for certain people? Yes. uh, Rather than just being my whole self all the time. And it should be the easiest thing in the world to do. Right. But
2: yeah, well, something that also plays into it is. I've been interviewing men since 2015 around the subject of vulnerability. And I particularly got curious about what gets in the way of men being vulnerable with other men, Mm. because a lot of the men that I know are willing to be vulnerable to a greater extent with the female partners in their lives. Yeah. But when it comes to male friends, we have this kind of unspoken bro code that we can't breach. And so while we know we care about each other, we don't say it. And that really got me looking at, so what gets in the way for men being vulnerable with other men? And as I've been talking with men, it typically comes down to one of two things. They either worried about being judged or being seen as less than.
0: Yeah.
2: And as I'm talking with them, I say, okay, so if a good buddy of yours shared something that he was struggling with, what would you think? And generally the men would say, I have a lot of respect for him. Wow, I'd feel honored that he told me that. Or, you know what, I appreciate his strength and his courage in telling me that. And then I'd just sit back and wait. And eventually the wheels would turn the light bulb would come on. And they'd realize, oh, wait a minute. When I think of vulnerability in others, I see it as a strength. But when I think about it myself, I consider it a weakness. And so that's part of what I'm also on a mission to do is how do we shift the narrative so that people see examples of men being vulnerable? Because if you look at most of what's in the media, it's the stereotypical alpha male You know, chest thumping, you know, my voice has to go like this for some reason, and I win at all costs. When we see the men that are vulnerable and emotionally available, they're a comic sidekick. And so what that unspoken message that young boys get and young girls and everybody gets is, oh, to be a real man, whatever that is, I have to be that strong, independent, show no feelings guy. And we know that's not serving us because it's literally killing us. Suicide rates for men in the US are four times what they are for women and any other group. And it's because we're not willing to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you change a culture like that? Is it like what you the
2: book, podcasts, <laughs> conversations like this? Like, That's you- what I'm still trying to figure out. And what I do know is it's helping to shift the narrative. So part of it is the messaging that we get. If you think back, I'll, I'll speak to myself. Growing up as a young boy, if I looked at the examples of men and masculinity in the media in particular, I love using that example. I grew up, I was born in the seventies. So child of the seventies and eighties, who were the, who were the big action stars? Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and what kind of characters do they typically play? These heavily muscular loner do it all and like not shed a tear type of thing. Mm. And so the message it creates is that's what it means to be a man. And so if not just, like I said, young boys see that if little girls see and go, that's what it's supposed to be, Mm. then we create this narrative. And so to your question about how do we change things, we need to start bringing more examples of men showing a broader range of what it means to be a man. Because it's not, listen, I don't know how to change an engine in a car. I can't do that. Does that make me less of a man than somebody who does? I don't think so. But if that's the standard by which I'm being judged as a man, can I go hunt? Can I go fish? Do all that stuff? If that's our judgment, if that's our, our bar of what it means to be a man, then we're doing a disservice to all the other ways that men can show up and be productive and supportive in the world.
1: True can you think of anybody is there anybody in the media and movies like are are there good examples now of uh, you know who, who we can watch i guess uh one of my favorite podcasts i, I bet you haven't heard of it but uh, his name is theo vaughn he's a comedian and uh, his podcast is called this past weekend and he gets mm-hmm. on there and there's some interjection of like humor in there and it, it's very entertaining but he talks about his feelings that's what the podcast is and okay he has a huge following it's grown He's, you know he'll post a video and within you know two days he'll have half a million views on it uh so that's somebody who's uh i i don't like to use the word hero but like an example for me of like somebody who's willing to go there and talk about that and uh in front of a huge audience of people he doesn't even know like there's a, a strength in that too so i don't know just reflecting on that do you know of anybody or could you point to anybody if somebody's thinking of you know who that might be as they listen to us sure well as you
2: say that i think the thing i'm celebrating is that podcast probably wouldn't have existed 10 years ago yeah so the fact that theo and i haven't heard of his podcast but i will check it out but that he can create this and it's a man sharing about his feelings and Mm -hmm. people are wanting to hear it part of what i hear in that is we want more of that and so the more we can highlight things like that and not make them the comic relief or the sidekick or the less than that's how we start to do it. You know, I think about, again, I come back to the media a lot. So growing up, the TV dads that I saw were often the, the bumbling, aloof guys that like, we celebrate that he didn't, the kids didn't die and the house didn't burn down. Now we know that fathers are capable of much more of that. If I think more recently, you know, on, on Modern Family, Phil Dunphy. Now he's maybe not a perfect example, but he was a guy who was a good dad. He was maybe a well, let's say, be real, he was a lot goofy. But you got to see him genuinely being a dad and caring for his kids. And so I think that's an example of where we're Mm -hmm. seeing a different portrayal of men and that we can be that role of caregiver too. And as we start to get more and more examples, I think that's what I'm dreaming into is that we will have the examples of that's the rule, not the exception. Mm -hmm. But I'll say also five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have even dreamed of having a podcast called The Vulnerable Man, because who's gonna wanna listen to men talk about vulnerability. And what I know is there's a lot more people in this conversation and are coming at it from different angles. And that's what's helping us to change the way we hold it.
1: Why do you think that is? Is there more of a demand? Is it like when people hear these things talked about, it's like, yeah, I I, I kind of sort of believe in that too. So is it like the demand is creating these outlets or like the leaders and the outlets are putting the message out and it's resonating with
2: people and people are flocking or does it even
1: matter to assess that?
2: Yes, is the answer. And, <laughs> and I think, it, I think it's both. Yeah. So I believe that we're at a place now where particularly with millennials, they are more open to the idea and not necessarily as willing to fall into the, the way we shape the man box and what we expect of men around it. So I think that's part of it. But I also think more men are open to saying, you know what, here's something that I want that I haven't had you know even again 15 20 years ago to men have men talk about their feelings you know we would have probably laughed at them and now we can have these conversations and it feels more normal so i think it's it's both of them that are occurring and i also think it's also because in in a way the media is good as we're starting to see more examples it reaches more people and then it has people go oh wait i just saw him do that maybe i can a little bit more too mm-hmm. So it's a chicken and an egg, and I don't know for sure what the answer is. I'd like to.
1: I I like that we're all coaches here. I'd like to uh, get Coach Nick's thoughts on this because we we interact a lot and talk about our practices and all that. But uh, you know, I think that's part of what we do, don't you think, Coach? With uh, like, we create the environment for. You know, most of my clients are are men. Uh, and I, we very regularly have conversations about emotions. Like that's, that's part of it. It's part of the navigating of it. Maybe it's the privacy of that one-on-one time that lends the safety there. But as part of our role as coaches, this is the question. As part of our role as coaches to build that safety so that this new idea of masculinity can be practiced. Yeah.
0: It's it's so often that clients will come to me and they want to work on their business, but then of course, we work on (laughs) everything else yes right it's it's a combination of business health physical and mental family being a better husband being a better father and then some sort of connection to the community or give back or your spirituality whatever resonates for you it's always the same stuff it's just what's the initial connection piece right and so Mm. it's cool about your focus christopher of course is that is direct to that and by looking at that then I suppose what I'm I'm making a jump leap here, but tell me, I mean, if that's what like the, you know, the, the, the book's about, right. Like the whole man approach, right. Is it, is it, is it that, is that the connection there or did I get that wrong?
2: Absolutely. You know, part of what you're talking about is, and and similar with me, I have a lot of clients that will come to talk about work related stuff. And what we also know is we're more than just the jobs we do. And so as we start to uncover some of the things that are there for them personally, that maybe they've been keeping at arm's length. It transforms the way they're able to show up in their professional, in their personal relationships, and it changes everything. And so for me, I believe it is. We have to look at all elements of who we are, but also how do we want to be showing up? Because again, if we keep falling into this narrative that we think we have to be in, then that keeps us playing smaller. And when we realize we can get to be whatever version we want to be of it, you know, A gentleman I interviewed for my podcast a few episodes ago talked about authentic masculinity. And I loved it because for him, he said, it's whatever it means to me and how I want to show up as a man in a way that's not harmful to others. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm never going to say there's one right way to be a man. And let me be clear. There are some great things about being a man, but there's also some stuff that's, that's doing harm to us in the world. So patriarchy, for example, men suffer from patriarchy. And usually when, when I say that people go, that's not true. What? But it does. It keeps us limited too. And so, how do we keep? For me, one of the reasons that I used Evolving Masculinity as the subtitle for my book is when we think about in nature, organisms, when they evolve, they keep what works for them and then they adopt new behaviors to survive and thrive in the new environment. And that's what we need to do with masculinity keep the things that are working, let go of what isn't, and then figure out how do we need to behave and shape masculinity going forward so that we can be part of the solution. And not part of the continued problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I quite answered your question, Coach Nick. I think yeah. I did, but if not, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. well, yeah, I just, it just kind of got got today in my in my thought process, right? Because it, it's all it's it's everything together, right? And so, how, how do you how do you help people that come to you and say like, I want to go on this path, Christopher, with you, right? What what does it look yeah. like?
2: The short answer is, I tell people you find your own way because what worked for Christopher may not work for you. Now, what I am happy to do is, I'm happy to be a guide for you. What I've learned along the way is how people receive my vulnerability is not a kind of determination or judgment on how well I'm doing it. And it took me a while because initially when I started showing up in these spaces and being vulnerable, I would introduce myself and say, I'm a former Marine, six years in construction, and they would automatically have a preconceived idea of how Mm -hmm. Christopher was as a man, right? You probably did too, through no fault of your own. And then when they see me show up with some vulnerability or bring it into the space, it has them kind of sit back sometimes and go, whoa. And what I love about that is it gets them thinking, and they probably go, wait a minute, if this guy who's been in combat can be vulnerable, what's stopping me? And so that's a big thing that I'm a proponent of is I I like to say giving someone the gift of going second. And what that means is I'm willing to be a little bit vulnerable. You may or may not be willing to do the same, but even you hearing me be vulnerable has you think about it differently and maybe be open to it. And so that's where it starts.
0: It's beautiful. It's like, yeah, you use me as your evidence. It's like, you haven't got to go and figure out, okay, here it is right now.
2: Yeah. Um, That's also part of why I started the podcast because I realized not everybody relates to Christopher's story, but I want to highlight the stories of other men on their journeys, the successes, the failures, because they may go, Oh, you know what? I heard coach Josh on there and I can relate to his story. And that might have them go. Maybe I'll be a little more vulnerable with my friends too. Yeah.
0: Open, open it up even more. It's, it's beautiful. So what, what are some of the habits of a, of a whole man? Like what, what, Sure. Like?
2: So, so I, I use the analogy of capes because I play with this idea of superheroes or in capes. it. And so capes are the habits of the whole man. So it starts with yeah. curiosity and that's and, and you're going to be familiar with this one being coaches. But it really starts with a question or a wondering and an openness to explore. And you will continually come back to curiosity. That's a, a constant thread. Yes. Second, the A is awareness. And that's about recognizing where you are now and where you want to go. Knowing that you can make adjustments along the way, but not just waiting until you have the perfect solution. Mm -hmm. The P is for presence. And for me, that one I struggled with early on. For a long time, I was so busy with the doing of life that I didn't slow down and actually just be in the moment. So presence is about slowing down and connecting, filtering out the distractions and being present to your life in this moment. The E is emotional health. And that's about building and sustaining emotional well-being, what I call developing emotional fitness. And then the S is stay. And that means you got to remain and do the work and not run when it gets hard. And I always tell people it's not necessarily going to be easy, especially when we're trying to make big changes in ourselves. And the willingness to stay and make adjustments as you go is what's going to have us make the progress.
0: I'm feverishly taking a a whole bunch of notes here. I love that because they're all tied together, of course, right? And we want to have a way that we can remember it and think about the curiosity because you've got to start with that. We, me and coach, often say that everything starts with awareness. It's not enough, but it starts with awareness. I suppose you could say before that, it starts with a a curiosity to be aware. Mm -hmm. And then that's a process of being, uh, you know, actually understanding what it is that you want and what you really want. I love that the presence is such a big thing, right? would you also I, say? I know you are going to bring
1: that up, Coach. I knew you. I knew your ears <laughs> perked up when you said "presence."
0: <laughs> you know me too well. Uh-huh. It's the the slowing down. Of course, is is really important, right? You, as coaches, you mm-hmm. would say you can't stop and smell a rose at a sprint. But yeah. So, so tell us a story about that, if you would, Christopher. Like, how does how have you made that shift for you?
2: You know, I think for me, one of the biggest things is uh, I'm very conscious of this device right? We, we all have ours. Well, I'm not necessarily thrown away because it is an important thing. (laughs) Technology is a powerful tool. And, you know, like the movie says, use it for good, not evil or with great power comes great responsibility. Mm, That's right. But for me, one of the things that I do is I'm really conscious of when I'm getting into a conversation with somebody, I put my phone down, I put on do not disturb. Or if I'm in a conversation with somebody online, I mute my notifications so that that way, if something Mm -hmm. pops up, I'm not that, Oh, what's that? Because what it does is it instantly creates disconnection. That person goes, oh, wait a minute. There's something that Christopher might think is more interesting. And so I practice it, whether it's a virtual connection or a real in-person connection. And for some of my friends and family, it was awkward at first because they were like, wait a minute, Christopher, like this feels really intense. But for me, what I know is if I'm really truly present with you, that's one of the biggest gifts I can give you. And I know for me, you know, if I'm having conversation with someone, I see them kind of glance at their phone. Part of What I'm thinking is okay, they're ready to be done with this conversation because mm. clearly they're not interested in being here, and so that's how I continue to practice the presence. And again, I, I own I don't always get it right, sometimes I will stumble and miss, but I'm getting better, and it's a work in progress.
0: But you, you mean you haven't got it all figured out? No, <laughs> you know what? Turns out I am human, right?
2: I'm on my own journey too, but uh, it's, it's getting better, and that's the gift. And
0: things I was, I was with a friend of mine a few weeks back, and he was we were standing up, and he was quite animated, telling me something that was important to him. And it wasn't his phone, but his Apple Watch like must have vibrated on yeah. his arm. And he just like stopped mid sentence. He was really passionate about it to go, yeah. and he just carried on going. Like he didn't, but it just it shows you how like we're so trained
2: mm-hmm.
0: in that space. Uh, so that's yeah. it's a great that's a great distinction uh, to be able yeah. to do that. And it's just it's a real practice of of, the, of that muscle that you will continue to help you everywhere else. So pretty cool.
1: I'd like to make a, a comment about uh, presence before we start to wrap up here too. I, I came across an Instagram video speaking of our phones uh, the other day where there was a side-by-side video of a dad and his child. I think it was his son uh, of a situation that happened when the son walked into his room and the left side was when the dad was on his phone, not paying attention. And the right side was him being present. And it was like mm-hmm. a four minute video and it just walked through like the difference of the disconnectedness with, it was so powerful. You know, so, life, right? Here's yeah. So life. I'm, I'm going to challenge producer Rob um, <laughs> to see if he can overlay. Like, I want to, I want to include that in this episode if it's possible to yeah. show, like, just the power of what we're talking about. But presence is so huge, right? To, I mean, if you're there, focused so, on something. You're, you're so powerful, right? There's so much to but, give in that moment. But here's
2: what I wanted. Here's what I want to jump in and say. Yeah. Like Nick, I love the fact that you just put this aside to be present there, because actually, that's what's most important.
1: Yeah, it could have been That's very easy example. to go, but
2: I got to do this. So like, thank you for modeling exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. And and Perfect. the difference it will make for that little one, you may not ever understand.
1: Mm. So ta-da. So true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Divine timing there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, I want to give you a chance to uh, plug, where can we find you? I mean, people are going to want to talk to you after they this uh this interview here. So sure. any website, uh, book, um, everything, give it to us.
2: Absolutely. So here's here's the best places. If you look for me on LinkedIn, you'll know you found me because it has Vulnerability Vanguard as part of my title. So you'll know that's the right me. Uh, if you're looking for information about the book, the website is wholemanjourney.com. The, web, or the podcast is vulnerable-man.com. And then my business is Echelon Left, E-C-H-E-L-O-N dash left.com. And, uh, you know, again, happy to connect and talk with people. I do a lot of work in a lot of spaces and in particular talk with a lot of leaders and leadership teams around inclusive leadership. That's a big passion of mine right now. And it's probably going to be the theme of my next book, but more to come on that one.
1: Love it. Thank you so much. Really interesting topic. And uh, I think like we said, like uh, people are becoming more and more drawn to it. So thank you for sharing
2: everything. And, uh, Yeah, we'll connect again with you soon here. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate being here with you.
0: Thank you for watching another episode of Truth Seekers. We appreciate your interaction. So please comment, like, subscribe to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want more, check out some of our links. Links to our masterclass, The Achiever's Mindset, and come join our LinkedIn group. And what do you want to see more of? Remember, we're here to share the simple secrets of successful. So help us do that. What do you want to see? What do you want to see more of? Thanks. and See you again next time.